you pray with me? Holy God, word made flesh, let us come to this word open to being surprised. Silence our agendas, banish our assumptions, cast out our casual detachment, confound our expectations, clear the cobwebs from our ears and penetrate the corners of our hearts with this word. We know that you can, we pray that you will, and we wait with great anticipation. Amen. Today is the first Sunday of Christmas. Most of the United States has been celebrating Christmas at least since Thanksgiving, if not before, and they feel like Christmas is now over. But the truth is that we are finally celebrating Christmas. It's not over. It didn't start in November. For the last month, the church has been celebrating Advent. Advent is a season of watching and waiting. It is a season of preparation for the Lord's birth. It is also a season of waiting for the final coming of Christ in power and glory. Archbishop Rowan Williams reflected on Advent several years ago. One of the things he said is found on the front of your bulletin. It is, we remember in Advent the time of waiting before the birth of Jesus. And we remember that time of waiting as the Bible shows it to us, as a time when people were indeed longing for something that would change everything. And at the same time, not quite knowing what that something would be. They read again the prophecies in the Hebrew scriptures and the Old Testament. They read about how people were longing for an end to slavery, longing to be back home in some sense, longing to be back home with God again, longing for reconciliation. This is the season of Advent. We watch and wait for Christ to show up as Emmanuel, as God with us. We long for our lives to look different. We long for transformation. We long for salvation. The people of Israel in Jesus' day were watching and waiting too. It had been about 715 years or so since the northern tribes of Israel first fell, and about 580 years since the southern kingdom of Judah fell. The people have been under the rule of Babylon, Persia, Assyria, Greece under Alexander the Great, Greece under the Ptolemies, under the Seleucids, under the Hasmonean dynasty, and now under Rome. They long for independence. They long to return to their temple, and they long for the Messiah. It is into this world that Jesus is born and Christmas comes. The God who is wholly transcendent, whom we can reach only by rising out of our human condition if God does not reach out to us, becomes the God who is wholly imminent, who is with us in our present human condition. God becomes Emmanuel, God with us. This is the season of Christmas. It is the mystery of the incarnation that the God for whom we have been waiting has come. It is the celebration of the birth of Christ, 
the Messiah, into our world, and in his birth, the birth of salvation into our world. Our text this morning is one of these Christmas texts. It is part of the story of salvation born to the people and the first fulfillment of everything for which they had been waiting. So let's read Luke 2, 21 to 40. When the eighth day came, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Uh, when their time for their purification, according to the law of Moses, came, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed in, as, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with the wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I read this passage, I was struck by two different aspects of the lives of the people. The first is their faithfulness. The second is their ability to hope and wait for salvation. Faithfulness. This is part of the Christmas story, which is filled with people who are faithful to the commands of the God. Let's start with the Holy Family. Mary and Joseph are following the requirements of the law with this new baby. He is circumcised into the Jewish community and the law of God on the eighth day. This would probably have taken close by to his birth. When the baby is circumcised, he receives his name. 
We know from earlier in the story of the birth of John that there may have been societal expectations of what his name would be. But like Zechariah and Elizabeth before them, Mary and Joseph obey the angel and they give him the name Jesus. After 40 days, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus head to the temple. It's about a five-mile walk from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, and they need to go for the rites of purification following the birth and for the dedication of the firstborn son. So, being faithful and obedient Jews, the Holy Family enters the temple with two birds, the offering for a family without many resources to keep the commandments of God. Jesus may have come to fulfill the law, but he has not abolished it. His family is doing all that is required under the law for a faithful Jewish family to do. When the Holy Family arrives, they encounter two faithful representatives of Israel. Later in Jesus' life, we know that not all of Israel will accept the Messiah, but here we see representatives of all those who will faithfully wait on God and who will meet God when they encounter Jesus. We see Simeon. He has been listening to God. He knows that God is sending the Messiah, and Simeon has been quite faithful to listen. So now, when the Holy Spirit says, get up, go to the temple, Simeon goes. He's also a faithful prophet, proclaiming not only the good news that Jesus brings salvation, but also the hard news that Jesus will cause the falling and rising of many and that a sword will pierce Mary's soul. Simeon is not a fair-weather prophet. He is faithful. He proclaims the truth and message of God no matter what that message is. Anna is the last person we meet in the story, but this woman of God has lived for decades in the temple, worshiping there in prayer and fasting. Considering that life would have been difficult for a widow at that time who didn't have someone to care for her, and considering that women were only allowed in certain outer courts of the temple, Anna's life of worship is that much more striking. She's not the kind of faithful example that you would expect to see when you enter the temple. You would expect to see priests and Levites going about their duties. Instead, we're told the story of an elderly woman who has seen and lost much, but who spends her days with God and lives faithfully. The Holy Family, Simeon and Anna, are images of faithfulness to us, and they raise for us questions of our faithfulness. Are we following God's command, even if it is difficult or strange? Do we faithfully proclaim God's word, even when the message is hard to hear? Who are the unexpected examples of faithfulness in our lives whom we might emulate? The second focus of the passage is the way that the Christmas story involves waitings for salvation and hope. We think of waiting as part of Advent, and it is, and Christmas brings an end to waiting, right? In a sense, yes, the baby is born. Simeon sees the Messiah and says that he can now die in peace. 
He has been waiting for the consolation of Israel, and he has now seen God bringing that consolation about. Anna has been waiting for decades. She has been hoping that God would show up, and now God has. But what I noticed in this passage is that while Christmas brings an end to some of the waiting and the fulfillment of some hopes and promises, it is also the beginning of more waiting and the continuation of hope. For Mary and Joseph, Jesus has arrived, but they have to wait to see what his life will be like. They have to hold in their hearts the prophecies and the promises of what is to come. Joseph will die before seeing them fulfilled. Mary will wait three decades. For Simeon, his waiting for the Messiah is over, but the Messiah he holds in his arms is a six-week-old baby. Simeon is not seeing Israel set free. He is not seeing salvation actually proclaimed to the Gentiles. He doesn't get to see the glory of the people of Israel. He proclaims those things are coming in this baby, but he won't live to see them fulfilled. What about Anna? After she meets Jesus, she proclaims the redemption of Jerusalem to all who will listen. I would say she's the first evangelist. But she does not see Jerusalem redeemed, nor does she see the people follow or worship Jesus. Christmas has come and the waiting has ended, but a new waiting is just beginning. Salvation has arrived, but the hopes of all people, known and unknown, are not fully fulfilled. Christmas, like all of Jesus' life, is the inauguration of the consolation of Israel, salvation of the Gentiles, and the redemption of Jerusalem. It is the beginning, not just the end. Like so many things in life, it is both. Birth is the end of pregnancy, but the beginning of a whole life. Graduation is the end of academic studies, but the beginning of a career and putting those studies to use. Marriage, retirement, empty nest, becoming grandparents, all are endings and beginnings. The incarnation, the Messiah, Christmas. It's the inauguration of the kingdom of God in the world. We get to see God break into history by becoming human that humans and all creation with them might one day be redeemed. In Jesus' life, we see people miraculously healed, revealing a day when illness will be no more. But we long for that day when the healing will come in all fullness. We see Lazarus raised from the dead in anticipation of when death will be defeated. And we see the fulfillment of Jesus' resurrection. And yet we still live in a day when we wait for death to be finally destroyed. Yes, Christmas is fulfillment, but it is also waiting and hope. One of the most popular Christmas songs every year is Grown Up Christmas List. What I find so poignant about that song is the way it recognizes that there is much in the world that still requires transformation. The items end up on the list because there are problems in our world that society has never been able to solve. As children, we believed that grandest sight to see was something lovely wrapped beneath the tree. But heaven only knows that packages and bows can never heal a hurting human soul. 
No more lives torn apart, that wars would never start, and time would heal all hearts. Everyone would have a friend, and right would always win, and love would never end. This is my grown-up Christmas list. All these things that they name are the problems of human history, but they are also problems that are solved by Jesus, the Messiah, and solutions for which we wait and hope until Christ returns in glory and the kingdom of God is fulfilled. We long for the day when the peace of Christ will fill the world, when death and sorrow will be no more, and when God's kingdom of love will fill the world. Yes, we live in inaugurated kingdom, but we live in one which is not yet completed. And so we hope for the promises of Christmas to be fulfilled in our world. This Christmas, do you find yourself like Mary, Joseph, Simeon, and Anna, rejoicing that waiting has ended, and yet also waiting to see more? What promises have been fulfilled for you? What promises need a bit more time, and so you live in hope? Where are you longing for the return of Jesus the Messiah and the fulfillment of the kingdom of God? May we all live in the faithfulness of the Holy Fam Family and the prophets Simeon and Anna, who walked with God, obeying God's commands, and lived lives of worship. And may that faithfulness lead us to both hope and the expectation that God continues to save and redeem the world. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.